come into your presence this evening to give you glory, to thank you for your Son and for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've, through the sacrifice of Jesus, you've reconciled us to you. Thank you that there is nothing, not one thing that can separate us from the love of Christ. That whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There might be someone here tonight who's thinking, who might have struggled to worship because they felt unworthy. But thank God we don't earn our right to worship. Our right to worship Him was purchased at the cross. And it's Jesus who gives us the privilege to worship Him. So your right to worship Him was given by Him, not earned by you. Jesus, together as one, as one body, we worship you tonight. We worship you. We bow before you. We magnify your name. We profess our love for you. We adore you. We thank you. Have your way in our hearts. We give you our ears tonight. We give you our eyes to see. We give you our hearts to receive what you have for us. We're expectant. We thank you in advance. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Welcome, everyone. Good to see you all. Who's had a good Sunday? Excellent. Who, let's try that again. Who's had a good Sunday? Or is, is Monday-itis already kicking in? Is that the problem? <laughs> good stuff. Well, it's great, great to have you with us. Welcome to anyone who's here for the first, first time. A very warm welcome to you. Welcome to our family. Uh, we'd love to meet you. And, um, yeah, come and introduce yourself. All right. Well, just the usual announcements. Um, and these, you know, we repeat them every week, but for the, they are for the benefit of new people. But um, we're on again on Wednesday nights, um, right here. Uh, the doors open for prayer from, from 6 o'clock, so w- you're welcome to join us. And kids' ministries upstairs. It's for kids aged uh, 4 and up. Is it 4 or 3? Oh, Wednesday 6.30 here, not 6. And um, upstairs, kids aged four and up. So um, if you do have kids aged four and up, you're welcome to put them upstairs with the team. They'll look after them. And 
Thank you to everyone who gave towards the building of the house in Brazil. Um, we actually sent uh, $30,000 to Brazil uh, last night to commence construction of that house. So thanks to you, thanks to your generosity, that house will be built um, for that family. And um, yeah, we, we will, we're going to play a video. A picture of the family is just going to come up behind me. Uh, that's the family. That's the mum and her three sons and her daughter there. And then she's got the newborn son. Oh, he's holding him in the centre there. So um, the amazing thing is to see a family who was helped across the road. In the same situation as this family until the ch local church built them a new house across the road. And you see what a transformation has taken place, not in their living circumstances alone, but in their life. And Christ has come into their life and completely restored them. And you can see the kids are educated. Uh, the mum was able to start a business and start an income. And their life has just been transformed by the grace of God. Amen. So that's, that's what's in store for this family. So thank you for your generosity. We are going to play a quick video of when we were there and we announced to her that we were going to build a house just to see her, her response and her reaction. So let's uh, play that video. I would like to say that I am very happy, that I am very thankful for everyone that is helping us. I thank all the donations from the bottom of my heart. I thank first to God. In second time, in second place, I thank to you, to the church. And I would ask, I would ask God to pour out so many bless, blessings over your lives, over the life of each one of you. Amen. We um, we do want to raise a bit more to furnish the house. Um, so we don't only just want to build the house. It was going to cost thirty thousand to build the house. We've raised that, but. Um, if you do feel led to give, um, um, please feel free to welc uh, feel welcome to because we want to furnish the house for the family as well. And um, there's so much need there. And as we were walking into this particular house, it was heartbreaking to see a family next door. Well, we didn't meet the parents. There were four kids under the age of seven on their own. Just living. It wasn't even a... I wouldn't call it a house. They were just sitting in the dirt and they were completely on their own. Um, there were four of them aged, I'd say, under seven or eight and their parents weren't around because they were either out working or, or whatever, but they were completely on their own. And so this is the first family and hopefully we can, we can bless so many more. And um, thank God for your generosity. Amen. Amen.
Who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? I've missed. I've been with him and I've missed his, his preaching here. So um, I'm sure you all have as well. But yeah, welcome up, Pastor Tony. Thanks, mate. You missed me, huh? I don't want to rob a bank with these guys. I'll just throw you under the bus. Don't worry. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? You want me to leave on it louder? Just quickly on that, um, as Dorian was saying, because um, when we got there, and there was a lot happening, and um, that's a bit too loud, I think. Even I'm getting annoyed with my voice. <laughs> but um, there were kids next door, as Dorian was saying, and actually... The parent of the next door, the father was in hospital and the mum was gone to the hospital to look after him. And this lady was just looking after the kids. But what I mean, what I mean by looking after them, I was just loitering around the front. So, and that's the type of poverty that's there. And that's not even the poorest of the poor. That's 10, 15 minutes from the city where we were staying in a nice hotel. Last time we went, there was places where they were giving us, they would give us their kids if they could, just to feed them. Well, you don't know poverty like that. You know what I mean? So I just want to share and encourage you guys because we want to raise money for the furniture and that. And I just want you guys with kids to have a look at those kids. And I want you to encourage your kids to give something. See, when we sow to the Lord, to the kingdom, it's easy to put a direct debit, throw it in a bucket and say, I've done my duty. But do you pray for the seed? I know you've been taught pray for your harvest. But do you pray for the seed to bring a harvest? Do you pray that, that seed? Because if we leave this, if we build this house up here and they move into the house and they don't know Jesus, come back there in 10 years, it'll be desolate. I want to encourage you guys that this young man here, and correct me if I'm wrong, he got baptised, born again and baptised three months ago or two months ago. They were telling us he got baptised. And the reason why they met this family is because they built the house across the road. And these guys don't just build a house and tick a box. See, right now in Brazil, they're having a 24-hour prayer meeting in a stadium because in August the 8th, they're having a crusade where they do things like um, uh, to get the poor to come, they get people to donate two and a half kilos with a non-perishable food. They got motorbikes and iPhones. They love their iPhones over there, man. They're like some of you guys, you know. The next iPhone, you already buy one, you want the next one. But they love their iPhones. But they got all these prizes and they said, come to the event and you can win these prizes. And then there's food and there's, we'll give you food and we'll give you. And the people that donate the food are in a draw to win the prizes. A motorbike, and there's a lot of motorbikes there, mopeds and, and things like that. So they get from both angles. I mean, he is the fisherman and he knows how to use the bait. It might not work in Australia because we're a different culture, but over there, they bring them in. So they are expecting ten to 20,000 people to show up. This is what they do every year, a couple of times a year. So they're there, and they'll walk around, and you saw some videos maybe you see on Instagram, maybe we should start posting some of the stuff, where they're walking in the middle of the night. There's about 200 of them walking around, praying in the spirit and prophesying over the event. So when someone comes, they don't just get food and get a motorbike, they get Jesus. See, if you give charity without the gospel, all you've done is just enabled someone's dysfunction that's not to say we don't feed someone who doesn't accept jesus that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is in this situation here um have a look at those kids not to feel sorry for them because we're going to build the house but get your young kids i don't know what, what you're never too young to teach them let me do this they're never too young 
to be not selfish. I taught my kids at a young age, and I was blessed to hear it from AJ the other day. Is when he was sharing with someone how they used to get a lot of toys at Christmas. You know, we got a big family, they get a million toys. Half of them end up in the rubbish, to, you know, in Boxing Day. <laughs> I said, well, pick, pick a couple of toys, let's take it to the children's hospital. Easter, we used to take the eggs to the children's hospital. And we never did it every week, so I'm not saying I'm holy and then down, because I used to eat half the chocolates before they got to the hospital. But, <laughs> but, but he brought it up the other day. He's 24 years old. He brought it up because, you know, I, I learned that in a young age, my dad put a seed in us that, you know, just because you got a lot, it doesn't mean you need more. You can give something away. And here is a perfect opportunity to teach your kids, what would you like to send to that little child? What would you like to give? And buy them soccer balls. Mate, you give those kids a soccer ball, man, you give them a million dollars. They were playing with a soccer ball that looked like it come out of the tip. Like, it was just... And we've done that in the past. So just to encourage you that don't just drop a, a dollar in the bucket or transfer it, direct debit and that. They, pray for the harvest of that seed. Because see, for me, I'd rather them not see he sent his word ministries or the soul up. I want them to see Jesus. See, that, that little boy and that little girl and that little young man and that little could change the whole city. Because Pastor Celia came out of that and worse. We went and experienced what he came out of. And to see a man that's 60 years old now come from that and revolutionize a whole city. The whole city's been revolutionized. And there's more to do. So I want to encourage you, that's, what, that's our aim. Amen? I can tell you all the great scriptures and how you're going to get blessed and how you should sow a seed. I don't have to entice you. If, you're, if you want to be like Jesus, do what Jesus does. And can I say this to you? Pray for him. And watch the harvest. Amen? We didn't ask him their life, how she ended up like that. None of our business. What we did was we're going to share the love of Jesus. When I share the love of Jesus, the gospel changes them. Amen? We're blessed. We're blessed in this country. You don't know what a blessing is till you go over there. Amen? But I don't come back and think, wow, I'm a, I'm a pitiful person. Look at what I got. Look what they got. No, I come back and say, thank you, God, for giving me the resources to go and bless someone. If you can be a blessing, amen, give the Lord a clap. If we can be a blessing to someone else, it's a blessed to be a blessing. It's not always about you. My life. And what, man, you go over there, you won't be worrying about your little problems. <laughs> you worry about the kingdom of God. Amen? And um, just on that, like I said, that little boy got baptized. So we're going to, for those who are ready to get baptized, we're just organizing, because we don't own this facility, as you know. We're just organizing something so we can do it here in this venue. Last time we did it, it was really good. Just that last time was a bit hard with a swimming pool, and then if that thing busted, man, my God. You know. <laughs> he walked in, <laughs> the boss here, and said, what are you doing? I said, are we doing a reenactment of the uh, Moses parting the Red Sea? And he walked off, and he shut the door and never looked back. <laughs> So we're going to organize that. So please, obviously, if we had our own facility with our own venue, you'd be, every day would be a baptism. But I encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized, get in the water. I used to dodge around that because I don't want to offend. You know what? You're willing to go through the fire for the Lord? Who's willing to go through the fire for the Lord? We'll get in the water. <laughs> You're all willing to go through the fire? You've got to get in the water. Amen? Amen? So that's coming up very soon. Amen? So, next week, I don't know why I'm doing this, but the Lord dropped on my spirit. Um, we're going to talk next week 
about the mystery of one day. The mystery of one day. The Lord dropped that on my spirit today when I was doing this message. So I don't know why. I want to encourage you guys. Someone asked me, what are you going like, to... When I was in Brazil, someone texted me, you know, man, it was amazing what, what we saw. I said, yeah. And everybody said, what are you going to do when you get back to Aussie? I said, I'm going to die a little bit more. I need to die a bit more. Which means I need to fast more. I need to pray more. I need to, I need to die more. Because if I experience that, and that presence of God, she's clapping, yeah. I just felt, a part of me died over there. I need to die a bit more in order to know him. And it's interesting to know that the theme of that conference, it was sort of leaning towards eternity. It's not what, God, what you can get out of God. It's what, is, if, if, if the only means that you come to God to get something, to soothe your emotions, to heal your heart, that's what he does. But if, if we only come to him to get something from him, you don't have a relationship with him. So I don't want to keep coming to God to get something. I want to get to know him. See, when I have him, I have everything. It's not about what God can do for me. It's about what he's already done for me. And we're going to touch on that. I was on, I was on uh, preaching and, and me, my interpreter, Mateus, he was trying to keep up. And it's actually quite funny because they, they all studied English and they've been studying for a while. They're getting a lot of speakers. And obviously the English they study is American. And then we come along from Bankstown. <laughs> no, Jake. <laughs> One girl, she was so excited to meet us and she's, she's just staring at me. I go, this girl's overwhelmed with my anointing. I said, are you all right? She goes, I don't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> One, because our Aussie accent, and two, because we don't speak English. You know, we speak half, and we throw Arabic words in there and things like that. And I speak 100 mile an hour, so it was a, it was a writing joke. But this is how committed they are. They're all studying English. They all, whatever the kingdom of God is required of them, they're going to do. Uh, people are moving from one city to another just to be part of the ministry, to serve the ministry. And when I say moving cities, like we got married, oh, well, yeah, we decided to move eight hours here to serve. What do you do for work? Oh, we're just doing Uber driving for now just to get some income, so I'm, I'm available for whatever the church wants us to do. We can't come five minutes up the road because the service starts on when the football's on. <laughs> or it start, finishes late because, you know, the, the buffet at the RSL. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is there's a commitment to the kingdom. And it's interesting, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, and let's go there. Tonight I want to talk to you about pressing towards the mark. Pressing towards the mark of the higher calling. In order, if Paul is saying this, the great apostle Paul, who had revelation on top of revelation, he was a pioneer. He was the man that would go to places where the gospel was not preached. See, someone said to me, man, you guys did wonders in Brazil. I said, yeah, but that man forged away and paid a price and laid a foundation for us to do that. I'm not stupid to think that I was that anointed that God moved because I was there or Dorian was there or Rabs. We moved within what God has already laid there. We were able to move. And, and I mean, I was sharing this with, I think, Jesse yesterday. I was saying on the way home on the airport. See, people say, did God move? I said, you know, God moved when you went there. I said, no, I don't move God. God's moving. I move within God. Who's been to the airport lately or ever? You know those tra travelators? 
those things that, that you can jump on and it takes you. I was, we're leaving and we're going and I'm just daydreaming and, and the Lord said, that's the kingdom. You and me. So when I got on this travelator, I'm walking the same speed as I would normally walk, but I'm going further. So the person that didn't jump on was walking the same speed as me. But when I jumped on the travelator, guess what? I'm doing the same effort as him, but I'm going further. So in order for him to catch up with me, he'd have to start running. True? There was a time there where the boys jumped on and I walked over and went, oh, this is, this is hard work. I'm going to go back on this thing. And the Lord spoke to me, he goes, that's like moving in me. See, I didn't, I didn't go any faster, work any harder, believe any stronger. I just jumped on. So I moved in within God. See, if we are in the kingdom of God, we flow with the kingdom of the Spirit, guess what? It's effortless. Now, when I jump in, I jumped in, we all jumped in, we moved. And, and the messages that we preach, you hear every week, it wasn't that we brought some new revelation. It was that the kingdom of God was moving and we moved within the God. Amen? See, if God moves from here to here, then that stops to exist. God is everywhere at all times. See, everyone's waiting for a move of God. We've said it. I've said it. Everyone wants God to move in their life, but he's already moved. We used to get into him. So when I'm on a travelator, guess where I'm going? Faster and further than I would, but I'm not. So if I jump off it, I have to run. Works. I'm trying to conjure up a move of God. And I was, this is just a little simple word the Lord dropped on my spirit going home. See, if I'm in Christ, see, too many people are trying to do things in Jesus' name. But the Bible says... In thy name, I do all things. In, see, we want to use the name. It's like, all right, let me see. Nightclub. Who ever been to a nightclub? Nobody except me. All right, I'm there. And you drop a name. Yeah, I know, Big Louie. Yeah, get into the nightclub. Who's Big Louie? I don't know. Just, just say Big Louie. Big John. Until Big Louie was standing there one day. I know Big Louie. He goes, who are you? Oh. So we drop a name to get in. I know so-and-so to get a favor. And that's, sometimes that's what we use Jesus' name is. But we can't. In the kingdom of God, that doesn't work because you know of a name. But when I work through in his name, if I'm in Christ, in thy name, you'll cast out devils. Not in the name, external, internal. See, if, I don't, if the devil doesn't see Christ in you, he's not scared of you. I perceive you're like him. You walk into a room, the atmosphere should change because Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, you are not Christ, I am not Christ, but we're in him. In him we move and have our being and we live and breathe. Amen? So pressing towards the mark of the higher calling. So let's read this whole verse. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, and I'm going to try and break it down. Because with time, you hear this, I want to go to another level in God or another dimension in God, or I want to see God greater than I've ever seen him. And we think of in terms of climbing this corporate ladder of, of, of the kingdom, or growing higher, or, and that's all good. But I, I was on stage preaching, and, I, and it was just like this revelation came to me. He goes, instead of trying to climb and get higher in God, well, how about pressing into God? You know, come up for a sec. I can say, you know what, let's go higher. I'll try and carry him higher. And that's hard work. But 
We're trying to say to God, take me higher, and I'm trying to take Christ with me higher. Instead of pressing into Christ. If I press into him, he takes me further. He takes me higher. Because he, he, in him is the fullness. And in me, in him, so I dwell in higher. See, the closer I get, oh, your breath. Uh, anyway, just, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but the closer I get, I know the color of his eyes, I can see, I see, I can smell him, I can, wow. And it's the fragrance. In the fragrance of God, if I press into God, thanks, you know, but if I press into God and I go into him, instead of trying to climb up to him, see, too many of us are trying to do things for God to climb up a corporate ladder to believe more. And, but if I get into him, wow, he just whispered in my ear. I'm that close to him. I can't be separated from him. But he's seated on high. Where he is, you will also be. We are already seated in heavenly places. So we're trying to obtain something that we already have. The problem is we don't know it because we don't press into him. When I left school, I was a motor mechanic. And uh, we used to, back in the day, we used to um, have these hydraulic presses. And they used to have bearings inside the wheels of some cars. Where, and the only way you can get the bearing out is to press them out. So you put this hydraulic press, it pushes down this pressure. And it presses so high that it pops the bearing out. You get a new bearing, put it in, and you've got to use the machine, pump it, pump it, and the machine goes down, hydraulic, and it pushes the, the bearing in so you can spin, put them back on, and away you go. But some of these are up to 500 to 1,000 PSI pressure. It's very... So when I say to press into God, I don't mean just press a button and turn the lights on. <laughs> He's talking here, Paul, and we're going to talk about this, that he was pressing through. Now let's read it. Now this Paul saying, I'm taking it from verse 12. Not that I have already attained it, or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may hold on of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid for me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, and reaching forward to those which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling, some translation says higher calling, of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many are mature, have this mind. And if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be in the same mind. Paul's saying here, in a nutshell, I am not perfect like I want to be. I am not as mature as I want to be. This is the apostle Paul's talking. So I'm not where I want to be. But I do know one thing. I have not apprehended it. I have not got a hold of exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I do know Christ has got a hold of me. And what I do know is I'm going to press into that to achieve the prize of the higher calling. Amen? And I was, I'm going to keep pressing in. No matter the obstacles, no matter the, the, the situations, no matter my understanding where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to keep pressing in. And I was to press in is to wrestle, to fight the good fight of faith. You see, too many people get taken out because they got a bit of an obstacle or they made a bit of a mistake or they went down the wrong track. And what they do is they don't realize that you can just get back on track and keep pressing forward. But what we do, we give up. The greatest tactic of the enemy is disappointment. Tell me who got saved and had a dream and it was shattered. 
Who thought they were going to do something for God or do something in your life or do something in your future or do something in your marriage or something happened that didn't go to plan and it was shattered and we, we pulled back. And he says, don't. There's a prize of a higher calling. I'm not going to walk back. See, when he says forgetting those things that are behind you, look at it two ways. Forget the mistakes of the past because if I keep looking back and I'm running that way, I'm going to hit a wall. He's saying, don't look back. What do you say about those who plow? Those who put their hand to the plow and look back because they're not fit to be my disciples. That's a big call. He says, if I'm plowing something, my young, youngest son's learning how to drive and he's been driving, he's doing really well, but I said to him, keep your eyes on where you want to go because if you turn, your hands will go where your eyes go. If I keep looking back, where am I going to end up? See, when you plow a field, in the old days, they used to get an ox. He would go and you'd hold the plow and it wasn't easy. They bah, bang, the ground was rough, there's rocks, there's weeds. But it wasn't so much about the straight line, it was about looking. Wherever he looked, the plow went. And Jesus is saying, can you look further than what your situation is? See, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, I'm believing for something that I haven't seen, but I know that he says he's going to do it, so I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize. Healing. I'm going to see myself healed. But Jesus healed me, but I'm not healed. Then start seeing yourself healed. Start seeing yourself prosperous. Start seeing yourself. See, these people in this picture, they're going to, start, they're going to break the poverty mentality. Because we could give them a million dollars and they'll be broke in two weeks. But if when they break the poverty mentality and start seeing the future, there is a future for us. Come on, somebody. There is a future for you. God wants you to press in. But you've been taught that it's already done and it's yours and just say three wishes and rub the magic lamp and come and get prayed on and, and then, then woo! And you go home and you're busted and disgusted because no one's willing to fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Who are we fighting? Not fighting the devil because he's defeated. Even though he's your opposition. Isn't that weird? He's our opposition, but we're not fighting him. Who are we fighting then? Who are we fighting? Flesh. <laughs> what do you say to the serpent in the desert, in the, in the wilderness? On the belly you should go, and on the dust of the earth you shall eat. No? He said to the snake, which is the figure of speech, devil, I've stripped you of your power, and the only power you got is from the dust of the earth, and you will eat from the dust of the earth. Well, who was it? What was man made of? He's eating from the flesh. If you remain in the flesh, you give the devil legal right to eat off your life. Isn't that a funny saying? In the Genesis, he was a snake. In Revelation, he's a dragon. He's been eating a lot of flesh. I wish he'd eat some of mine, honestly. <laughs> but that's why he says, kill the flesh. While I remain in the flesh, while I remain my soul in the flesh realm, my emotions, you know what? They should just teach on this because I need this. No, 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 no. See, we don't tell Jesus. Imagine the disciples coming to Jesus, like rabbis were saying the other day. How many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? And you can tell they're libos because, you know, no, Jake. <laughs> Let's just say they're Middle Eastern people. They love offense. <laughs> 70? Yeah, 70 times seven. Give us some faith for that. <laughs> flesh here paul's telling us to press on to the core see he understood the higher calling 
What's the higher calling? I heard someone preach once, the higher calling is to do the things of the kingdom for God that God's placed in your heart. Wrong. My job isn't to be a better preacher, a better pastor, although that's very, that's needed. I have to be the best I can be because I am accountable for the sheep. Rabs is accountable for God's sheep because we are the under-shepherd for the shepherd. He's the shepherd, but he puts under-shepherds and everyone's got a responsibility. But my job isn't to press in to become a better preacher. My job is to press in to become a better Christian. So know him. See, if I stand here and you leave here not in seeing me, but you see Jesus, I've done my job. If those people go and say, well, these, these Aussies came 30 hours and gave us money, they give honour where honour's due, don't get me wrong. But if, they, if, if we're getting the glory, then Jesus doesn't get the glory. And we said to them there, while we're there, and there was so much happening, we said, stay close to the church. Let them train your children. Let them change it. And she just, because the, the kid just got saved. So God had placed a, 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 a blessing on their heart. But that's one family. I could have done the whole street like that. That's just one block, one street, from, from that corner to that corner. But we press through. We got to keep fighting. Pressing through sometimes isn't that you're fighting the devil. It could be just the everyday, mundane, boring stuff. Setting up the chairs. Showing up. Someone was talking about praying in the spirit the other day and fasting and said sometimes it just feels like nothing's happening. I've been there. But I, I said to Jesse, I was saying, I said, when we go to the gym and we do a workout, bench press, you can tell I haven't done that for a while. What was it? Um, cleaning jerks and power cleans. I used to do all that. Was, anyway, it's not about me. But who left the gym and had muscles when they walked out? Steroids. <laughs> Other than George Yusuf. Oh, was I supposed to say your name in public? So, sorry, Uncle Michael. He wants to yell out. That's it. That's what happens to you. Who, other than this guy, who does, does a workout and sees their muscles grow straight away? Nothing. But what happens if you go every day to the gym, every week, whatever? Muscle build comes, strength comes, you do sprint training, you get faster. All these things happen over a period of time. But you don't go to the gym today, come out and go, why can't I? No, you don't do that. So if that's, super, that's the natural, what about the supernatural? When I spend time in the Lord and confess His Word and, and read Scripture and, and, and pray in the Spirit or fast or whatever God's place, worship, lately worship's been on my heart. Just been worshipping. Ever since I left Brazil, just worship. And my spirit's just worshipping God. And praying in the, and reading. What, what are you doing? We're building yourself up on our most holy faith. We might not see the result right now. I've done it for six months and nothing's changed. How do you know? You're still standing. I said, but we need to not, we need to keep pressing through to achieve the higher calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Don't get taken out because something went wrong or you thought wrong. With the, listen, keep pressing through. Just like that pressure. Maybe you need a bit more pressure. Maybe you need, you know, I often say, when you don't feel like coming, that's when you should come. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. Paul says an amazing thing here. Let's go to, let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I know we're going back. We should have done the whole book of Philippians. It's awesome. Look what he says here. 
Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now stop. Let your mind be the mind of Christ. Let me tell you something. What's in Jesus' mind in this situation? He's going to read it for us. Let it be in you. And I want to explain this. Look what it says. Next verse. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Say, so he knew who he was. He didn't walk around shy about it and say, you know, well, I really can't tell them I'm God in the flesh because they won't believe me. And plus, they might think I'm a bit arrogant and a bit big-headed. No, no, he didn't consider it robbery. It wasn't wrong for him to stand up and say, I'm God in the flesh. Are you with me? See, too many Christians are walking around cowering because you don't know. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You don't go around saying you're God, but you've got to start walking as a child of God. You cannot receive something if you don't belong. If you don't know your identity, because the only thing the devil attacked Adam and Eve was identity. Then he attacked Jesus in the garden. Identity. What was he trying to attack him with? Because if you don't know who you are, you'll never become who you're meant to be. Come on. He says, he was equal with God and didn't consider robbery. Next verse. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, a slave, and, and coming into the likeness of men. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Now stop. Who wants to be obedient to Christ? Where all our blessings is, the, the true act of worship is obedience. True? True worship isn't good singing. Slow music. We went to Brazil, that was the loudest music I heard, and the anointing was so thick, man. You can ask Doreen, ask, mate, people were walking and getting communion and, and falling out in the spirit. It was an amazing anointing. We walk into the front door and you think, wow, like a wave hit you. Had nothing to do with the lights, had nothing to do with the speakers, had nothing to do with the guitar. It was the presence of God in the hearts of the worshippers. So we need to come in here. We want to get to a place where when you worship, you don't care about what's going on, you worship him one-on-one. -on -one, and guess when people walk in the door, they fall out in the spirit. I've been in meetings where people got saved at the front door because the anointing convicted their sin. No one had to tell them a prophetic word. They came in and repented. People were giving their hearts to the Lord during worship. This is not about a magic wand. We're going to get over that. We're going to press to the higher calling. This has been good. Yeah, I love you. Bro, there's so much more people. The world's dying out there. I think we've learned now the government's not going to save you. The schools aren't going to save you. Well, I'm not going to save you. Christ is the Savior. Amen? He being humbled, all right, in the appearance of a man, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He didn't get obedient. See, the victory, Jesus knew the victory was death. He says, the only way I'm going to redeem all this is death. I don't, I'm willing to go. Even though I'm God, I don't consider it robbery. Even though I'm in the form of God, all the fullness of God dwell me, but I humble myself as a man to die on a cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Those in heaven, saved. Those on the earth, not saved. And those are under the earth, hell. You know, people in hell confess Jesus as Lord, but it's too late. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're going to say it whether here or you're going to say it under here or above there, but you're going to make a decision where you're going to end up. You're listening online. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, you will call him Lord one day. 
but maybe too late in hell. But you're going to call him Lord. You know all things. Next verse. Is there another verse? Was that the one? That's it. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who remembers Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament? Jacob, Esau. Not Esau. Esau. You've got to understand something. In the Old Testament, when you got a blessing and a birthright, the father would bless the son. A lot of the times the grandfather would, would bless. It's a generational thing. And Jacob had two sons. Sorry, um, Isaac, sorry, had two sons. Esau, they were twins. They were punching on from the wound apparently. When they got out, he was holding his leg. They were really having a fight. And Esau was the oldest son. And he came up with a plan, him and his mother. <laughs> Don't you love mum sometimes? And, she, and Esau was a hairy man. <laughs> and um, Jacob was, had no hair. And so he didn't put goat's fur on and put, you know, all these. He dressed up because Isaac was about to die and he wanted the birthright. The birthright goes to the oldest son. So here comes Jacob, smelling like Esau, sounding like Esau, and put fur on himself to trick his father. His father goes, what's your name? He's on Esau. And his father's looking at him, his eyes were burning. He goes, no, you, you do seem like it's Esau, but you sound like Jacob. But he blessed him anyway, and he stole his birthright. He got blessed. Now Esau, after a period of time, Esau... He's chasing Jacob. And now he's found him. And now he's going to kill him. He's got his army with him. He's going to kill him. And Jacob now is in the wilderness by himself crying out to God. And the Bible says the, Lord of, the angel of the Lord appeared. Some believe that's the pre-incarnated Christ. Some believe God. Some believe it was an angel of the Lord. Whatever you believe it is. He wrestled with God, the Bible says. And he's wrestling with God. He goes, leave me alone. It's nearly morning. The night sky, the morning break is coming. He's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you go. He's wrestling with God. He's pressing into he's pressing into uh, God because he, he knows the only hope he's got for a blessing or for a restoration is God. Because he knows now Esau's coming not just to kill him, but he's gonna kill all of all of Jacob's bloodline because he wants to eradicate all that bloodline because they don't have no legal right to the blessing. So he's coming to wipe out the whole generation. Isn't that like the devil? He wants to wipe out generation after generation because of the bloodline. He's trying to wipe out, even from the day of creation, the enemy's been trying to take out the firstborn of Israel. Why? Because he didn't know when the Messiah was going to come. He's trying to take out generation after generation. This is the same picture here. Anyway, he's wrestling. And he goes, leave me alone. And he wrestles. And then finally, the Lord says to him, he pokes him in his hip. And now he damages his hip. Now he walks around with a limp. He says, what's your name? He says, I'm Jacob. But last time he asked what his name was, he said Esau. He lied. He goes, oh, you are. But because of what you've done, I'm going to change your name to Israel. That's when Israel became a nation. And out of his 12 sons, Jacob's 12 sons, you have the 12 tribes of Israel. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, you have one bloke named Judah. Judah is the, is the land of Judah, where we get Bethlehem, where we get Jesus Christ come out of that. A bit of a history there. But he got the blessings. And look what happens. He goes, what's your name? 
He says, Jacob. Think about this for a second. His name before was Esau. He lied. Now he's telling the truth. He says, now, but because of what you have done, I have to change your name. Israel means prince. He wrestled with God. He pressed into God. Even though he had sinned, even though he had lied, he goes, but forgetting those things that are behind us. Come on, somebody. Someone needs to get this. Forgetting those things that are behind us. He rorted the system. He, he, but Esau sold his birthright for a porridge, let's be honest. But forgetting those things that are behind me, but we press forward to the mark. He says, I'm not letting you go. How do you wrestle God? I'm not letting you go. Why? I need to get blessed. I need to get blessed. And he pakes him in the hip. You know, in the, in the Semitic Jew, in the old traditional, before they were Jews, the Semitic uh, people, the Hebrew people, that was a form of adoption. If you never had a son and you wanted to adopt a son, they would poke you in the groin near the hip area where your reproduction system is to say, now he's your bone of your bone and flesh of my flesh. You know what he did, the angel of the Lord? I poked my fingers. Now from your loins, from the loins, you adopt a son. The son is Jesus that comes through the lineage eventually that saved us all. Amen. Praise God. But Jacob wrestled with God. He pressed into God. He fought God. I need your blessing. See, sometimes we pray and we don't get an answer and we give up and we need to press into God. We need to keep going and believing and confessing that word. See, we say, Lord, thank you for your blessings. And when we don't get it, the Lord, where is my blessing? For the next two weeks, we're confessing everything negative to our positive. Even in the natural, that doesn't work. But if God's made a promise, listen to me, hear my heart here. And I'm going to share this next week because I'm dropping the gun. What God has promised you, it will come to pass. If you've had a prophetic word over your life, I'm not talking about your, you know, having pizza at 10 o'clock at night and you had a dream that you're going to go travel the world. No, not that type of prophetic word. I'm talking if God's spoken to you. You know when God's spoken something into your spirit. It's not like, mm, no, you know. I knew one day I'd be standing somewhere around the world preaching the gospel. As a kid, I did not understand it. I knew certain things that God, there are certain things that have come to pass, some things that have not come to pass. I'll be saved 21 years this September. I'll be 53 in August. Next week, 19th of August, just say, put it in your diary just quickly. But 21 years, and I'm only starting to live out the prophetic word that God spoke over my life. Now, why I kept pressing through the mark of the higher calling. There's a higher calling, not to preach in Brazil, not to preach overseas, but to do the will of the Father and to walk like he walked and to live like he lived and to show him that he is my salvation. He is my healer. See, I want to walk into the room and say, I want what you have because I can only give you Jesus. Remember the guy that was um, broken in the front of the uh, uh, gate, beautiful, when after uh, Peter and John came and the beggars begging? At the gate, it's called Gate Beautiful. It's the main entry into the temple area. That's where everything happens, man. That's Westfield's Parramatta Church Street, right there. <laughs> or Stacey Street if you live in Bankstown. What's a common street in Greenacre? Please tell me one. That one there you have to drive by. You have to put a bulletproof vest. Wales Street? Wales Street. Please. <laughs> Wales? <laughs> That's the main artery into the city. That is the Coca-Cola sign at King's Cross. <laughs> and that guy had to be there when Jesus was there. He was there every day begging. He was, he was a, a paraplegic from birth. So they put him there every day to beg. I'm sure Jesus walked past this guy. And I started to think, Lord, you must have walked past this guy. You're, you went to the temple, you preached every day. But the Bible tells us that 
after the resurrection, Peter and John are walking, and they see him. He goes, please, he's begging. And what does Peter say? Who remembers the story? Gold and silver? I have not. But what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, Nazareth, get up and walk. And I speak in prayer one day, Lord, why them and not you? He goes, the Lord spoke in my spirit. And I don't know if I'm 100% right, but it's, I'm the boss now and you just can argue with me later. There are some things on earth he's left for us to do. Because he says, greater things than this than you will do, because I go to the Father. People get that wrong. You know why we can do greater things than him? We can never do greater things than him in the natural sense, can we? But because he goes to the Father and sends us the Holy Spirit, he can do things for every single individual around the world at the same time. That's what he means by that. He's just waiting for a vessel to accept it, to believe it. Gold and silver I do not have. What did he mean by gold and silver? He just wants a coin. Gold represents divinity. Silver represents in the Bible redemption, salvation. Gold, I, I'm not divine. And I can't give you redemption. But there is one who is divine, gold. And there's one who gives you salvation. Because in the salvation in the cross is your healing. And in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. See, we have gold and silver in us. Not the physical stuff. We have the trinity that lives inside us. He wants us to manifest the kingdom of God. I don't have gold and silver. I could have said that to those girl, to that family, gold and silver I do not have. We could have said that. We didn't have that money. We didn't even have a group discussion. Me and Dorian and Rabs come, let's fast and pray and see what we need to do. We didn't have time to stop taking the tears out of our eyes before we said, we're going to fix this problem. What happened? Because we're good people? Because we felt sorry? No, the kingdom of God arose in us. We didn't know how, what, where, who. We just said, we need to fix this problem. And God, within two weeks, fixed the problem. I owe you the credit for that. Because you heard the call of God's heart. You might say, well, there. And you know what? Sometimes, can I say this too? Keep pressing into the higher calling. Keep pressing. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes you offend people while doing good. You know how many people are offended that we didn't go to Lebanon and do it? Bro, I, I, could, I could write a book on how stupid people are. Last time we went, why don't you do that in Lebanon? Why don't you go? Okay, we went to preach the gospel. And then in the midst of that, we did whatever the Lord asked us to do. And they're like, like as if we haven't helped. But what I'm trying to say is, is, sometimes your goodness will upset the people. See, it wasn't what Jesus did in the temple that upset the Pharisees that was doing it bad. He goes, what works did I do to make you think I'm a blasphemer? He says, it's not the works you do, it's that you claim to be God. Instead of the man's withered hand, you know what a withered hand is? It's not just broken, it's withered, it's nothing there. It's, it's, it's rotted, and the hand grows out. He didn't, probably didn't have a hand, he probably just had a stump, and the withered hand grew out. He says, that's on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to do that. Moron, the hand grew out. <laughs> but hey, I get it all the time. It's not that we, the things that we're doing or saying that upsets people. It's the goodness of God upsets people. You'll get religious spirits throw up and go, yeah, I like that message, but I didn't like the bit about the spiritual side of things. And I was sitting there in Brazil. I said, someone said to me um, before I left, I was sharing a story about praying in tongues. They said, that's from the devil. I said, cuz, when, when I was possessed by the devil, I never spoke in tongues. <laughs> that's the truth. 
People come up with stuff because they don't understand. You don't want to speak in tongues, that's your problem. You're missing out on the joy of the Lord, man. But what I'm trying to say is that it's the goodness of God that upsets the devil and upsets religious people. So it's not, don't get offended when you do good and they don't like it. Because they don't. Because it challenges them. You know the hearts of people. Look at this. Look at this. Let's go back to... Am I going backwards here or am I doing okay? Press towards the mark. Look what it says here in verse... Um, back to Philippians 3 and go to verse 15. I want to share this with you. This is what I've never looked at this before. Therefore, let us as many as are mature... Now, he's talking to believers that he considers mature. Those of you who are mature, look what it says. Have this mind. If in anything you, you think likewise, God will reveal even this to you. Go to the next verse. Nevertheless, to the, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be in the same mind. What he's saying here, after everything I've said about pressing to the higher calling, those who are mature... Have this mind that I'm talking about that we keep pressing to the higher calling. And if you don't, listen, God will reveal it to you. In other words, sometimes our minds have wavered to what the higher calling is supposed to be or where our mark is supposed to be. And he's saying to them, but if you haven't got that mind, God will reveal it to you. But whatever you have obtained, in other words, is God being good to you? Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Can we start there? Let's not cry about what we don't have. And let's, you know, let's work off what we do have. Has God been good to you? Uh, I'm not going to cry that you know, things haven't come to pass, but he wants you to have a mature mind because, see, if I take my focus on the goal, guess what happens? I'll look behind me. He's saying you might not be there, but let God reveal it to you. In other words, he's saying you cannot stay in the same place and say that you're a believer. He's saying move on, press through to the higher coin because there's a prize awaiting for you. And the prize is Jesus. See, if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. I don't need to get a better house, a better car, a better job, a better education. They're all good. What I need is Jesus. And when I have Jesus, I have the whole world. Because otherwise, I'm walking on a wrong foundation. He says here, let this be the same mind. In other words, if we're not united in the call, if you don't believe in the vision of this church, bye. I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm saying if the vision of this church doesn't sit with you, go find a church that does because you're just sitting there and you might be getting blessed. But see, we have to have the same mind which is in Christ. Why? How can two people come and do walk together if they're not in agreement? You're not going to come in agreement with me. Preacher. Try and get a married couple... To live their life not in agreement, with no vision. But we press through to the higher calling. Yeah, we had a great time in Brazil, honestly. My heart's still there. But there's a greater calling here for us. God's going to take us to the nations. But how? Humble ourselves and he'll exalt you. You don't know who we could... We met people four years ago. Now, the ones we saw nearly every day... We, I knew them. We stayed in contact with some. Some we didn't stay in contact with, but we knew who they were. And some we met for two seconds. I met a guy once in the first night we were there. I 
took a picture with him. He's a soccer player. He looked like a real fit guy. And I never saw him again. And on the way there, I think I'm going to share this with Dorian because I went through my old photos. I said, man, I wonder where this guy ended up. He was supposed to be a gun soccer player there in Brazil. But I didn't think nothing of it. I'm there sitting there. I think one of the nights, a lady comes up to me. and goes, oh, I recognize this lady. She's coming with a phone. <laughs> and there's a picture of me and her and the husband and the, and the son. I went, oh, well, I was actually, and I told her through the interpreter <clears throat> that I was actually asking about him on the phone. I wonder where he went. I only met him once. I think I prayed for him once, and that was it. Never saw him again. Five years later, she goes, she's still got the picture on her phone. Then the husband next night comes, and he's hugging me, and I, I didn't recognize the husband, but I knew it was the husband, and he showed me another photo. I go, where is he now? He's playing in America in one of the soccer teams in America, the one that Messi plays in, like Dallas um, FC. Not because of me, you know, stop clapping, you know. <laughs> joking. But what I'm trying to say is I met this young kid, he would, he's 23 now, so it was four, he was probably 18 or something. I met him once. That encounter, that prayer, whatever I... Something happened in that kid. Happened, something happened in their parent. They're coming up to me four and a half years later showing me photos that we took with him. Met him once. See, I don't know the impact I had on that kid. But God's taking him around. He's married with three kids on fire for Jesus. Okay, and I think, how many people like that did we meet? But I'm sure I could tell you, anyone here in this room... You might have had an encounter with someone you've never seen, you saw once, never saw him again. But something placed in your heart, something placed in your spirit that changed the direction of your life. I can think back on my life now and think, I wonder where that person that shared the gospel with me when I was 17 and I thought he was an idiot. Why did that guy singing at Circular Key? It was one lebo. I go, what are weirdos sitting there singing with all these weirdos in the street? I've become one of those weirdos now. I wonder what happened to him. So you don't know the encounter you have. See, you take the kingdom of God with you. But you press through to a higher calling. The higher calling is not a label. It's not a title. It's not a position. That's not the higher calling. The higher calling is Jesus. If I press into Jesus, I am where he is. Where is he? Seated in heavenly places. The kingdom of God is him. And that's us. I want you to encourage you. It's not about finding the faults of others. And it's not about trying to work out um, there's no new revelation under the sun. It might be new to you when you find it. It's always been there. But if I'm in God, <laughs> he's on that carousel. <laughs> no, he's good. He's all right. No, really. Kick the parents out. Um. <laughs> there's no new revelation under the sun, but it might be new to you because God's revealing it to you. But I want you to jump onto the carousel and press forward to the higher calling. That carousel, that, that travel ladder will take you to places. If I'm in Christ, any man be in Christ, is that? Not the old creation. Don't look back anymore. Stop looking back and trying to run forward. Look forward to the prize of the higher calling. But there's a lot of pressing going on. And the enemy's not going to like it. He's going to put obstacles in your way. He's going to bring up your past. He's going to throw things at you. Even there might be new challenges that come tomorrow. Don't take your eyes off the prize. The prize is Jesus, the finished work of the cross. Amen. Can we stand? Can we stand? I'll finish with that. All right, I'll share this quick revelation. Jacob pressed into God to get his blessing. Now, he was limping for the rest of his life. 
like a reminder that God just touched you. But the, would he rather limp and create a nation or not limp and stay Jacob? You know when he put on Esau? Listen to this. He put on Esau and got the blessing by default. The younger brother put on the older brother and got the blessing. The younger brother put on the older brother and got the blessing. We are the younger brother. Jesus is our older brother. Put on Christ to get the blessing. He did it by default. He did it by uh, deception. But Christ says, put me on. And then I'm in Christ. Does that make sense? He got the blessing by putting on the older brother. It's a picture of Christ. But see, Christ went to the cross. And now whoever man puts on Christ, the whole armor of God is not about a helmet and a sword. It's about Christ. If I put on Jesus, he is my salvation. He is my shield, my righteousness. He is the sword of the spirit. He is the peace of the gospel, the sandals of peace. He is my shield of faith. He is the belt of truth. Put on Jesus. See, the more they see of you, the less they see of Jesus. But the more I die, he lives. The more my soul can conform to my spirit, then my spirit man feeds my soul. Those who walk in the spirit do not gratify the lust of the flesh. Put on Christ. Esau, uh, Jacob put on Esau and got blessed. But we put on Christ. How much more is a blessing in Christ? Amen? Amen. Jesus our older brother. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I would pray tonight that Father deliver us from us. If we can get us out of the way, we can get self out of the way, if we can get our opinions out of the way, then Christ can live in us. Remember, on the dust of the earth you shall eat. Don't give the enemy any food because he's eating your flesh, everything you do in the flesh. And I often say to people, I want to grow. Love this statement. We love the event, but never love the process. We love the event, the revival meeting, this meeting, go to Brazil meeting. We love that. But what about the process? You see, the event is because of the process. See, if I don't understand the process, I love people say, oh, I want to submit. They all want to submit until they have to submit. I want to be accountable. They're all accountable until you have to give in an account. <laughs> I'm sold out. I'm sold out until I have to pay a price. Oh. And that's all of us. We want to submit. We want to, we want to conform. But you know what we do? When it comes, the pressure comes on, we give up. Because we don't want to submit. We don't want to be accountable. We don't want to be under authority. But can I encourage you today? You don't come under authority to a man. We're leading this. Okay, fine. You submit to the kingdom, you submit to the cause, and you let us speak life into you. But you know what can I tell you? I'm not where I am today or not where I'm going there because I didn't commit. I was teachable, I was accountable, and I was submittable. The word submit is hard because I was submittable. I thank God I had enough brains to submit. Because when you submit to the godly authority, you'll never get hurt. See, some people like to submit until someone speaks truth and then they go. Why? They're not under submission. They're not accountable. They do things their way. I often say to people, Paul, the great apostle Paul, 
who wrote most of the New Testament, came and gave an account to the people in Jerusalem. The same one, he said, you're a hypocrite, told him off. Think about that for a second. He never thought he was greater. He understood who he was in Christ, and he gave an account to the leaders of Jerusalem. Peter is his leader, and Peter's saying some things Paul says, I don't understand. He wrote it in the book, of, I think it's first or second Peter. He wrote some things Paul teaches, it's very hard to understand. Hang on, Peter, you walked with Jesus, you ate with Jesus, you walked on water, and this guy's got a better revelation than Jesus than you? That's the truth. But when we see Jesus for who he is, God has a divine order. Why is the divine order so? Can I say this to you, to everyone, man, woman, child, husband, wife, kid? Divine order is there to protect you, not to control you. If we don't have divine order, if Christ wasn't submitted to the Father and walked around earth saying, I'm God, I don't need anyone. Did Jesus ever say that? So I do nothing without my Father. I only do what I see my Father do. Jesus did not do one miracle, did not do, do one sign and wonder all his life until the Holy Spirit came upon him. How much more us? We come under divine order, come under submission to the Father. And he'll take you to the higher calling. Amen? We don't stay down low. We're not 30-fold Christians. We're not 60-fold. We're 100-fold Christians. This is a lie where he says some are called to the 100-fold, some are called to the 60-fold, some are called to the... No, 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 you're called to the higher. God doesn't... God raises the bar so high to get you to that bar. But we've got to press through to the higher calling. So, Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you we put on Jesus, our older brother. When you see us, you see Jesus. When we fall, we claim the blood of Jesus. When we breathe, we breathe the air of Jesus, the breath of life. We walk in the light as He is in the light. We eat from the bread of life. Father, I thank You we can walk with You in the cool of the day, just like Adam used to. I thank You, Father, You're taking us, You're stretching us, and You're sending us out to higher places. But wherever You are, we are also. Father, we submit to your will, to your cause. I thank you for every individual here, Father, that they could be stretched a little bit further, that you would raise them up a little bit higher, Father. I thank you they can press into you. For our eyes are fixed on you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. I thank you, Lord, it's not about getting more from you. It's getting to know you. Who has the Father has the Son. Who has the Son has the Father. In Him, we have the, the gift of life. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I pray for every individual. Those who, those here, Father, they're your children. You know every individual by name. You know, the, you know the number of hair on their head. You've known them before they were born. And I thank you, Father, that the work you started in us, you will complete. That we can keep looking for. We're no more looking back. I want people tonight not to look back anymore. The devil will show you your past, but God's taking it into your future. We don't look back. I'm not going to be like Lot's wife. Look back. But Father, we press forward to the mark of the higher calling. That's in Christ Jesus. That's in the Messiah Jesus. That's in the anointed one Jesus. In these last days, there'll be an anti-Christ, an anti-anointing. But we don't, we don't make apologies for the anointing, Father. You are the anointed one. And you've anointed us to preach the good news. So I thank you for that tonight. We're not going to waver. We're going to press 
no matter the obstacles, no matter the challenges, no matter the attacks, no matter the, the struggles, no matter the, the strongholds, we're going to press through to the higher calling because that is your will. Uh, thank you, Father. You move obstacles out of our way. Just like on that travelator. We don't get you to move. We move in you. In you. For any man being Christ is a new creation. No longer he lives, but Christ lives in him. And the life we live now is in the faith in the Son of God who gave his life as our ransom. So I thank you tonight. I ask you to bless every individual, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, your hand of protection is upon them. And they understand how much the Father loves them. Thank you for the fire of God to be upon them. Thank you, Father, you've blessed everything they touch. Lord, I speak healing over people's bodies right now in Jesus' name. Father, I come against mental illness, anxiety, and fear in Jesus' name. I come against worries of the future, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for mending relationships in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, when they stare at you, they see the goodness of God. For it's the goodness of God that brings leads people to repentance. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. God has taken you to another realm. He's dragging, he's wooing you. He goes, it's not about, you know what? It's up to you to search out a matter. The Holy Spirit leads you. You know why he leads you? Because he wants you to find the treasure for yourself. If I was to give it to you, you wouldn't appreciate it. But if you find something, you keep it as a treasure. He leads us into all truth. So I thank you, Father, for the truth that sets us free. I give you all the glory. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the work you started in this little humble group. But Father, we are going to take this city for Jesus. We're going to take our families for Jesus. We're going to take this nation for Jesus. Come on, we take the nations across the seas for Jesus. Anyone that's come, you know, put your hand up if you're from overseas or you have family overseas. Come on, claim them for Jesus now. Come on. Come on, thank them. From every continent of the world, claim them for Jesus. We thank you for family members that are away from you, that they will come home, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, people that are offended, that will come home in the name of Jesus. They walk into this building like nothing ever happened. Why? Because they come back to the Father's house. Father, the glory of the Father is how many children He has. I thank you, Father, for the nations, Father. The nations. In the name of Jesus. I thank you that you make paths straight. I thank you for those who are struggling to come back into order. And to feed on Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, I thank you right now. Our hearts are humbled before you. Because we love you, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you loved us. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I want to encourage you guys, sit your kids down and teach them how to give. And it could be just a prayer. But show them the act of giving. Why? It opens up your heart to receive. If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. Amen? Love you guys.